This is The Sports Tank with Jeremy Green. You look at my numbers, I'm I'm balling. Beer City's best sports talk is on the air. Get involved. Call 252-4348. Tweet the show at Sports Tank ESPN. The Sports Tank. Come get you some of this. Can't wait. It's ESPN Asheville 92.9 FM, 880 AM and 1400. You are in the Sports Tank with Jeremy Green. Heard everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. I'm Tank Spencer. He's Jeremy Green. And it is Draftmas Eve. Oh, Draftmas Tree. Oh, Draftmas Tree. <laughs> the NFL Draft comes up tomorrow night. And, uh, yeah, we are going to be covering it live in the Sportsocracy. Check us out on YouTube. Subscribe to the channel. Thank you to everybody who has already subscribed. Uh, we are heavy and rolling toward a thousand subscribers is a big benchmark for us and we thank everybody that has done that has shared out the videos uh we encourage more people to do so we got our seven round mock drafts for each and every nfl team rolling out uh all the way up until uh tomorrow morning we're gonna get, we're gonna get them all out so you can ingest as many as possible before the start of the draft tomorrow night at eight uh yeah if you don't do youtube you can find them on our facebook page at the sportsocracy on facebook uh, they will be going out 16 hours consecutively yeah. leading up to the first pick tomorrow night of the NFL draft. <laughs> it's a whole lot of fun putting together, just uh, prognosticating, and the big day comes tomorrow. We will find out how things shake out, and we will have all of our live instant reactions to the picks in the sportsocracy tomorrow night. So be sure to uh, mark your calendars. Join us uh, as well for the instant reactions. Now, we've got all kinds of things going on. We've got NFL trade rumors. We've got the teams calling other teams trying to move up. Some teams are wanting to move back. We've got trades that are actually being made that have impacts on the draft itself. It's a whole lot of fun, and the Carolina Panthers are right in the thick of everything. Of which they seem to have been in the thick of everything for a month. I feel like everything that's happened has had some effect on the Carolina Panthers. It has indeed. Of course, they made the 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 the, the trade, a second-round pick to the New York Jets for Sam Darnold, who comes in as the new starter for the Panthers. What happens to Teddy Bridgewater? Well, Teddy Two Gloves is going to have to become Teddy Four Gloves because he's going to where it's pretty darn cold. Uh, yeah, he's going to that place I told you he was going to as soon as <laughs> Sam Darnold got to Charlotte. Yeah, he is going to the Denver Broncos. The Broncos bringing in Teddy Bridgewater. He reunites with general manager George Payton, who had a hand in him being drafted in Minnesota. And now Teddy added to the quarterback room. This was the uh, the quote from Broncos general manager George Payton. Acquiring Teddy Bridgewater adds competition, experience, and a strong veteran presence to our quarterback room. He's a talented player and leader who's had success in this league in a number of different situations. Now, the Broncos have the number nine overall pick in this draft. I still believe they're going to target a quarterback in the first round. A hundred percent they are. Teddy Bridgewater, obviously, he is the bridge quarterback. We said that when the Carolina Panthers uh, signed him to the contract from the New Orleans Saints last year. They went with the you know the one year experiment. Decided that wasn't going to work. Immediately, Matt Rule at the end of the season said he's not the you know he's going to have to have what was it an outstanding uh, 
offseason to still be a part of the future. They tried to trade him in the uh, to get Matt Stafford with the Detroit Lions. That didn't work out. And now a sixth-round pick for Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, it's To me, one, it is a deal for the Denver Broncos. Number two, uh, the Carolina Panthers... Uh, I want to say I feel like they could have gotten more for Teddy, but but it's just not I true. I tried to tell you that. It's not true, yeah. Uh, and, and here's the thing. Just to facilitate this deal, Teddy had to take a six and a, or wait a minute, math's wrong, five and a half million dollar pay cut. Forgot to carry the one. Mm-hmm. Had to take a five and a half million dollar pay cut. The Panthers are paying seven million of the eleven and a half, eleven and a half that's remaining. Mm-hmm. And they guaranteed a million and a half that was non-guaranteed. That's what it took just to get Teddy Bridgewater away. Uh huh. Now, do I think that's a value for the Broncos? Absolutely. You know what that also tells me unequivocally? What? They are Seacrest out on Drew, Drew Locke. Locke. <laughs> Which just reemphasizes Jeremy Draft Theory number 44. Don't draft a quarterback in the second round. Mm-hmm. It doesn't tend it to work never out very well. It works. Ever. Drew Brees. Uh, 21 years ago. <laughs> Example the, that proves right. the rule. That's the only one that you can go to. The, oh, Derek Carr. Oh, yeah, that's right, Derek Carr. But There's even one that, every 10 Even years. that's like a, yeah, maybe we shouldn't have. No, you should have. Derek Carr's still a top half of the NFL quarterback. I get so tired of people's time. You, know you, you know what I've learned <laughs> with the YouTube and all the things? I love fans, uh-huh. and I love their opinions, and I love when they're strong in them. Mm-hmm. It's the ones that are just incredibly misguided that I don't understand. We're going to talk about this later in the show. There is a there are a lot of trends in the draft mm-hmm. that you know after you've done this as long as I have, uh, it's really easy for me to see. I told some of these to Tank, and he went, "That's not true." Yeah, it is. It's a hundred percent true. Mm-hmm. There are just certain things. You know what? Let's play a fun game. Okay. We'll open the 4 o'clock hour with this. All right. You know, we once did the uh, the, the 10 rules of fantasy football drafting. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to give you just a few rules of things that they're not team-specific. They're just rules that you can look at going into tomorrow night's draft because tomorrow is our – that's my final mock draft. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got 32 picks. No matter who your team is, I will give you a pick for your team. I'll even – I'll throw in a few bonus ones for the Texans and Rams and Seahawks and Chiefs. Oh, I can't wait to do pick 67 for the Texans that I have to just rain. Uh, that guy. That one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we will be doing uh, also uh, our Sports Tank with Jeremy Green mock draft here live on the air tomorrow. So that's going to be a fun little experiment. That one's fun because basically how mm-hmm. we do this, we don't say, oh, you only get even picks and you only get odd picks. Right. No, one of us starts with even picks, the other starts with odd. And if as a as a GM as a mock GM for any of the 31 other teams, mm-hmm. we decide that we would like to make a deal which are all led in by things that Jeremy has been told or Tank has been told uh-huh. could happen, then we make trades and it's fun and mm-hmm. this will be the official first round that Jeremy puts into the media poll. Nice. So if you want to know how I stack up against the rest of you know the Mel Kuypers and the Todd McShays, this will be okay. the first round that goes into the media draft mock contest that I don't know what the name of it is. Excellent, excellent. All right, so the Denver Broncos with the number 9 overall pick as it sits right now. There's been talk about them possibly trading up 
in this draft to go after a quarterback. We have said for a while that we don't think that they need to, that a quarterback probably will fall to them. Not however, anymore. however, there have been some discussions apparently behind closed doors and the the reports started coming out uh, i guess it was late yesterday afternoon that the carolina panthers and the new england patriots have been working on quote groundwork on a trade from for new england to go up from 15 to 8 in the draft and i can tell you that if penny Sewell is not there at 8 and he's not going to be mm that Carolina most likely is going to trade out of out of 15. And they should. I had somebody tell me earlier today, that's not just a, hey, that may happen. You should probably plan on that happening. Okay. So sources close to Jeremy. Uh, the, the one that called me <laughs> is in Cleveland right now. Nice. On the ground. Mm-hmm. They're there. It's always funny when I get a call from a Cleveland number and I'm like, wait a minute. Because you're expecting it to be Baker Mayfield? No, I'm expecting it to be somebody that's going <laughs> to yell at me. Uh, so, yeah, inside sources are saying that this is a not just a distinct possibility, but you might want to go ahead and book it that the Carolina Panthers are trading down to 15. And, and you know, based on the response from Panthers fans uh, this morning when we did our web show, The Sportsocracy, live every weekday morning on YouTube Live, I have to say something that I can't believe I'm the one that has to say this because I feel like I've been kind of painted as the anti-Panther guy, which I'm not. Can we talk about how good a job they've done with this team in a very short period of time? Absolutely. I mean, Matt Rule and this whole regime Mm -hmm. has done a tremendous job. They have. They have put pieces on the field that I think this team will be a contender once the reign of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is over. I think they're a contender right now. I don't think so. Playoff contender. Okay, a playoff contender, I'll give you that. I will give you that. Because we're seeing it. We're getting ready to see the drop-off from the New Orleans Saints with Drew Brees out. We are uh, just, you know, a year, hopefully two years in my case, away from seeing Tampa Bay completely implode because they've, you know, they've they've promised out so much money they're going to come up against cap issues, and they're going to have to completely hit a reset button on this franchise after the Tom Brady years are over. And then you got the Atlanta Falcons, who are, you know, they're here sometimes. They're sometimes they're not. They're doing stuff. <laughs> they make my head hurt. But you look at what the Carolina Panthers have done in building this team back up, and I have said one of my favorite moves in this offseason has been the uh, the the acquisition of Hassan Reddick to this defense, and that's not even the best move they made this offseason. No, the best move they made was trade for Sam Darnold. Exactly, because you. I want you to understand what your what, what your front office has managed to do here, because they recouped the six they sent the Jets for Teddy Bridgewater. Mm-hmm. So basically, you sent a two and a four next year for a twenty three year old starting level quarterback in the NFL, three years experience. Uh huh. That nobody doubts the natural talent. Does he need to get better at things? Absolutely. He was put in quite possibly the worst situation you could possibly be put in. And now you're looking at a team that's won five, five, six, seven, and 11 games since you went to the Super Bowl. This is the best team you've had. Mm -hmm. This is the best team you've had since you've been to the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. And I'll say that before the draft, where I think you're going to recoup some 
tremendous value from the New England Patriots. Oh, it's, it feels so good. It feels so good. There is no pairing in the wait, history of time wait. that I have wanted more than Justin Fields and the New England Patriots. Wait. I got it. They're going to trade Cam Newton back to the Panthers. <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to do it. I had to do it because you know there's at least some, uh, you know, crazy Cam Newton fan out there going, "Oh, maybe Cam's gonna come back and he'll save our team." Um, no, no, it won't. Not. no, it won't. This is not gonna happen. But I mean, here's the thing: if they make this deal that has been very aggressively rumored, I'll put it that way. Uh huh. They would get 15 from New England. They would get 46 from New England, and they would have to send back 113. That's roughly how the framework of that deal would work. Okay. So you add a second rounder, you trade down seven spots, and you give up a four. I like it. I'm I all the I way love in. it all the way in. Mm-hmm. Now moving down to fifteen, you may not get like if you were targeting Penny Sewell at eight. You oh, he's gonna be gone. Yeah, you obviously want one of the other top tackles in this class. The problem is there may not there's be only one, one there at fifteen. Well, there's only one. But I will tell you something, and just, just you know, just remember that the little birdie said this. There are more people than you think that think Elijah Vera Tucker is a tackle in this league. If you trade down to 15, you're right in the home run swing where you should be taking him. Okay. There's a rumor that there was a, a Zoom call at the end of last week. Oh, really? Between Elijah Vera Tucker and the Carolina Panthers. Really? I can neither confirm nor deny that. But there is a report that that <laughs> happened. And then okay. I start hearing the things. This is how I, I cut through the smoke with rumors. Mm-hmm. Because teams are pretty transparent with who they interview. Now, where you don't get transparency, uh, since last Thursday rolled around, the, the seven days before the draft, there is no transparency. None. You will hear that teams talk to all kinds of guys. But if you tell me that they could find a way to go down from 8 to 15, they acquire what I think can be an immediate right tackle. I can't tell you that he can be a left tackle immediate. He did play that at, at USC. Mm-hmm. And you wind up with that, and you recoup a, a second-round pick just for moving down. A+. plus, A+. plus. You wind up with a Pat Fryer move through a Hunter Long at tight end in the second round to give another weapon to Sam Darnold, and then you can add a corner at at uh, thirty nine in the second round. Mm-hmm. Shoot, buddy, that's <laughs> that's that's just fine. There's uh, nothing wrong with that at all. First on my checklist for this offseason for the Carolina Panthers was Taylor Moten. You you franchise tag Taylor Moten, hit it out of the park, excellent. You've added to the defense. You got Hassan Reddick from the Arizona Cardinals, and I get his stats may not be eye popping to you, but he had a good year last year. I think he's, I liked him when he was coming out of college. And, you know, that secondary has needed some help. So you added A.J. Bouye, who I still believe is a really good, usable piece in the secondary in the NFL. He is. Um, I, I like it. I like everything they've done. Bringing in Sam Darnold and now possibly trading back, still getting an offensive tackle that you can use, getting more draft capital to possibly be able to do more trades with. Here's the thing. There's two kinds of teams in the NFL. There are teams that do the draft right. And those are teams that over time tend to be good. And they're the Cincinnati Bengals. <laughs> Teams that do the NFL draft super wrong. Yeah. 
time and time again. Can, can you tell? I've, I've caught some flack from Bengals fans. Just and, a little bit. And, and you know, I'm, I'm just getting a little tired of it. It's just, uh, you know, because the, the stances are just outlandish and crazy. Mm-hmm. We know a Bengals fan who I, I value to be very intelligent and, and uh, realistic. I think realistic is the best word I can say. And I understand that, that taking tackles in the first round and cornerbacks and defensive tackles and tight ends and things like that in the first day or two of the draft. I understand that's not sexy. I do. I get that. I 100% get that. I understand that you can't, but that you're not going to buy their jerseys. I understand that you're not going to play them on your fantasy team. I understand that when you play Madden, you're not going to get to rack up 300 yards with them. Right. I get all of those things. That's winning football. Mm-hmm. The teams that do those things mm-hmm. are the winning teams. After the break, I'm going to. It, it, I, oh no, nope. I'm going to save it. I'm going to save it for the beginning of the four o'clock hour. Okay. I, I don't know that I can physically not just let <laughs> loose on this without my. I think my brain might explode before this all said and done. Yeah. Because I have there is a. I'm like a kettle at this point. There is a heat source under me, and I just want to. I, I want to. I want to. I want to yell. I want to yell, and I want to say things. If you're just joining us, the Carolina Panthers. We'll get to it. Don't worry. We'll get oh, to I, it. I mean, it's the, it's it's just it's controlling my brain. If you're just joining us, the Carolina Panthers have made a trade with the Denver Broncos, sending Teddy Bridgewater to the Broncos for a sixth round draft pick. Also, uh, we are being told. Our sources are telling us that you can plan on the on the uh, the Panthers trading down from eight tomorrow night in the first round of the draft to fifteen with the New England Patriots. Now that's not going to happen until they're on the clock. Mm-hmm. That would be an on the clock deal because if Penasel is there at, at at eight, that's who they will take, and he's not going to be. No, because no, Miami we'll did why. Miami did a thing yesterday, and it tells me he's not going to be there. Yeah, we'll tell you why coming up after the break, right here on ESPN Asheville. I believe real estate isn't about properties. It's about people. I am Clarissa Marshall with eXp Realty, serving all of Western North Carolina. Navigating the home buying and selling journey can feel overwhelming at times, and that's why having an agent who cares about you and your needs is key. I'm a native of Western North Carolina, and I close over a home a week. I'm an expert in the market, pricing my sellers correctly to net you the most money, and working as a skilled negotiator for my buyers. Please give me a call today at 828-774-6343 to set up a complimentary market analysis. You're in the sports tank. Why are you smiling? Because I love football. Oh, the NFL draft is just a day away. And there are so many people that don't understand the nerddom of this. But there is, there are a, I'll be honest with you, I never really knew when I first started doing this as a little child, and I was the ultimate draft nerd, I never realized that we would get to a point where the draft would have its own month of calendar. Mm Mm-hmm. The month of April is basically the NFL draft. Yep. You get the championship game in bas- in college basketball. You got the Masters, and that's just the, you know, that that's what breaks it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Other than that, what else? It, I've had several people go, oh, you've talked a lot about the draft. Well, first of all, I'm a draft guy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I've, I've, I've done this for quite some time. So. <laughs> right. But say what? What do you want, what do you want, what do you want to talk about? Right. You, you want to talk about the, the, the Braves bullpen? <laughs> uh, you, you want us to talk about the... <laughs> You know, Adam Gold before us talks hockey, and I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think you'd want our opinions on hockey. Nope. Because you know what my opinion is on hockey? I bet it's cold in there Mm -hmm. because there's ice 
and it's in a building, <laughs> and it doesn't melt. Right. If it wasn't cold, they'd be swimming. It's a whole bunch of dudes whose names I can't pronounce hitting each other real hard. I mean, I get it. I, I understand I the allure of it. it. I, I love watching yeah. it, but I promise you, you don't necessarily want my. No, you, you don't necessarily want my analysis of it. No, and the Braves did win last night, uh, two to one over the Chicago Cubs. We got another game coming up tonight here on ESPN Asheville. So be sure to tune in for Braves baseball all season long, right here on uh, your home for the Atlanta Braves in Asheville. ESPN Asheville ninety two point nine FM eight eighty AM and fourteen hundred. Now, um, yeah, uh, so a thing happened yesterday with the Miami Dolphins and the Washington football team that I believe gives us a pretty good idea of what the Miami Dolphins are going to do at number six in the draft tomorrow night. They have traded back to the Washington football team, Eric Flowers. Eric Flowers, who you know transferred from being a tackle with the, uh, with the New York Giants, to being a guard with the Washington football team, had himself a decent year, earned a $30 million three-year, three-year deal uh, from it with the Miami Dolphins just last year, and now they have turned around and traded Eric Flowers back to the Washington football team to clear up space on their offensive line for Penn Sewell. The, the, exact same, the exact thing that I have been saying they need to do if Cincinnati's going to be so dumb as to not take a generational left tackle to protect their quarterback who just had his leg ripped in half last year, then Miami needs to be the team to make the smart decision and bring in Penny Sewell. And I believe that's what yesterday's deal told us is going to happen. 100%. I mean, they literally moved, what, seven spots in the draft and paid a pretty big chunk of Eric, Sal- Eric Flower's salary. Mm-hmm. I think they played, paid six of the $9 million. Yep. It tells you something. It's pretty much a Teddy Bridgewater deal. They're paying the Miami's paying six million dollars. Washington football team's going to pay him three million dollars in base salary, nine million dollars guaranteed next year for Eric Flowers. He's going to get his money with the Washington football team. They get a guard, uh, and Miami frees up space to be able to take the best player on the board at six. Yeah, and I mean it didn't save them that much money, and they had the money to sign their draft picks. Mm-hmm. So why would you do that? You would do that because there's somebody that you value. And here's the other thing that a lot of people didn't notice. Team depth charts and things like that are not official from the team unless it's one of those the league year and things like that. So they're not coming from the team. I noticed that everything associated with the Dolphins yesterday. Mm-hmm. Did you notice all of a sudden Robert Hunt went into guard? Yep. I did. And Jesse Davis went out to right tackle. Mm-hmm. And now you got Jesse Davis starting to right tackle. I'm not saying the Dolphins put that out. <laughs> I'm just saying that there's people that are affiliated with the Dolphins that yeah, they're they're trying to make it very obvious it's what they're doing. I mean, we're reading the tea leaves here. Uh-huh. And they are very strong. And I, and I mean, I'll be honest with you. At that point, you don't really have any weaknesses. No. Oh, and, and, and people will say, well, but what about, but what about a receiver? Oh, you already got Will Fuller, Devontae Parker, and Preston Williams. You're going to add a fourth one. Could be Rashad Bateman at 18. Mm-hmm. And then I look at that team and go, huh, that's pretty good. Uh, I mean, I don't know how I feel about your quarterback, but that's pretty good. Yeah, that's a team that's definitely going to contend with the Buffalo Bills. And, that's and you know, I look at them and I look at the Cincinnati Bengals and go, huh, well, you've got four receivers. That's cool. 
and your quarterback has seven tenths of a second to throw. <laughs> I hope they're all real good at catching screens. It's just bad franchises make bad decisions. And this is where it falls with the and, Cincinnati Bengals. And I pull Bengals. for one of them. That's mm-hmm. the thing that, that blows my mind of when I get so much flack for this. Like I'm hating on the Bengals. I say the exact same thing about, about my team most of the mm-hmm. time. And the Browns and several other teams in the NFL that have historically made bad decisions. Mm-hmm. But you can grow out of that. And you the can. Miami Dolphins are proof positive of that. Mm-hmm. The Dolphins were a team that did this for a long time. And then Chris Greer came in and brought in Brian Flores. And they and, and you know what they did? They were the worst. They, they were terrible. They bottomed out, moved around draft capital, shipped off Laramie Tunsil, got a king's ransom for him. And then what have they done? They've built their team through the draft. So you want to, So people want to know why we talk about this so much? That's why. Because you went from the worst team in the NFL to now one of the scariest teams in the AFC, mm-hmm. and you did it in very short order. And the reason you did it is because you built this team through the draft. You had a lot of hits. You had some misses. You had a lot of hits. And now this is a team that is a legitimate contending level team. And the Miami Dolphins taking Penny Sewell, as we believe, at number six tomorrow night opens the door for the Carolina Panthers to trade back from 8 down to 15 with the New England Patriots. They've already reportedly done the groundwork, and as we said, sources uh, that we have are telling us that you can plan on the Carolina Panthers being out of the 8 spot and in the 15 spot tomorrow night in the NFL Draft. And we will be live with our instant reactions for all the picks in the NFL Draft, not just tomorrow night, not just Friday night, but all day on Saturday as well. Picks 1 through 259 in the Sportsocracy on YouTube. Be sure to check us out. Subscribe to the channel. Share it with your friends as well. Seven-round mock drafts for every team uh, going out on the channel. We will cover your team, your friends' teams as well, so be sure to, again, subscribe so you know when all the content comes out and share it with your friends as well. The Sports Tag. Just a bit outside. All right, here's the 411, folks. Oh, boxing. You know I'm not a boxing fan, but we talked about this when it was just rumored that there was going to be the fight, that they had had some discussions about Floyd Mayweather taking on Logan Paul in a boxing match. Well, they have officially set the date as Sunday, June the 6th. The first report came out said it was going to be on Saturday, June the 5th, but there's already a boxing fight card that night. That's going to be the Tiafimo Lopez and George Cambosos Jr. fight, which also that card is going to include uh, Evander Holyfield taking on Kevin McBride in an exhibition match. (laughs) So now we are going to have back-to-back nights of meaningless boxing. Now, the Tiafimo Lopez, that's, that's going to be a legitimate fight. The fact that they are continuing to do all of these exhibition bouts, I don't think it helps the sport at all. In fact, I think it does the exact opposite. Rather than bringing new eyes to a sport that was once the top sport in America, they are bringing new eyes to it and making a mockery of it. Floyd Mayweather taking the payday. It's going to be one of the best-selling fights in recent boxing history. As he takes on Logan Paul, the YouTuber. Ugh. In 
insufferable. I hate this. I, I absolutely hate it for true boxing fans like you, Jeremy. Ugh. Then, that, that's my professional analysis yeah, on then that. Then not only are we having Evander Holyfield uh, facing Kevin McBride on June the 5th, uh, but Mike Tyson, remember, he was going to try to fight Evander Holyfield. And they couldn't come to an agreement. They were going to set it for June. That's why the McBride fight got uh, got scheduled. Now we have a new opponent for Mike Tyson. Have you seen this? No. Mike Tyson is going to face off against Lennox Lewis. <laughs> are you kidding me? They are going to fight each other again. Uh, last time they fought, Lennox Lewis knocked out Mike Tyson. Now they are going to fight again. And this one is going to be sometime in June, I believe. That's the talks right now. It's not official. Oh, you got me all excited. that You're reading some conspiracy tinfoil hat. <laughs> uh, boxing legend, you're reading one of those Sasquatch websites, aren't you? Sasquatch websites. Boxing legend Mike Tyson. He has set his sights on a new opponent, and it is Lennox Lewis, the former heavyweight champ of the world. Uh, and it's it's going to go down in Miami some point this summer is what they're saying. So there you go. If you're into watching old guys box each other, <laughs> we're going to have a, another great legends bout. Between Mike Tyson and Lennox Lewis, can we can we please stop? Ugh. Coming out of the pandemic year, there was no doubt that stadiums and arenas and things like that were going to be more crowded than usual. Well, our own Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte might be the most crowded of all of them because they've just added a MLS team, the Charlotte Football Club, mm-hmm. and now they will have up to thirty professional sporting events by themselves in that stadium. Every year. What does that have an effect on? The grass. There you go. Bank of America Stadium will transition from national gra- natural grass to artificial... Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I can't stop Mouth, adding... Mouth words, memory time. Yeah, I can't <laughs> stop adding that suffix to everything. <laughs> to artificial turf in time for the Carolina Panthers preseason schedule in August, leaving the NFL's 32 teams with only 16 grass venues. I'm not going to lie. When I saw uh, all of the concerts and things like that that were coming to Bank of America, plus you add the soccer team, I've been worried about this. Like, what is going to happen to that field? And and Bank of America's had one of the best field surfaces. It's been voted that uh, several times. And I was worried. You know, what is what is this field going to look like? But the NFLPA is apparently not happy about this. Mm-hmm. They're not happy that they're going to... Artificial turf. No, J.C. Treader, the the NFLPA president. Oh yeah, said, increased injuries. Yeah, yeah. That there are more injuries on field turf, and then you right. know the Meadowlands didn't do any favors to that last year, mm-hmm. or MetLife Stadium, not the Meadowlands. Mm-hmm. Is Washington? Are they are 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 they on artificial turf no. as well? No. I was going to say because that's where that's where a lot of injuries happen as well. Yeah, and that field looks. Horrid by the end of the year. <laughs> All right, so going with artificial turf in Carolina. I could dig it. It's going to look really good. Mm-hmm. I like artificial turf. Fields. I do too. I do. 
And, you know, that's why we've seen so many, so many at the high school level have switched over to it because overuse and replanting and resodding and all that stuff, that costs a lot of money. Yeah, well, it costs a lot of money. And I got news for you. Uh, these eaten up grass fields, you're way more likely to get hurt on that mm-hmm. than you are on any form of artificial turf. Mm-hmm. When you go through a rain game and you've got these just big patches of mud in the middle, of, you're more likely to get hurt on that than anywhere. Right. You ever tried? Have you ever been involved in the construction of one of those? Good lord, of sod? Of, yeah. So, are you asking me if I've ever been involved in the construction <laughs> of sod? Well, I'm, I'm getting ready to tell you a little story here. So, when I was in high school at Irwin High School, there was our field was notorious for being on the side of a hill, like from end zone to end zone, you had to run uphill if you were going east to west. And the middle of the field was humped in the middle. And so when uh, when we got a new football coach, football coach comes in and says, this field is horrid. So part of the summer workouts for the football team uh, was, was going out with shovels and trying to help excavate the football field to resod it and all that. It was awful. <laughs> Might have broken some child labor laws as well. But that's another story. It's it, it is an undertaking, and I'm glad that the I'm glad that the local teams now have you know level fields. Everybody's got artificial turf in Buncombe County, uh, and I think it has has worked out well. So I can you know I'm just saying I think it's going to be a good addition for Bank of America Stadium. Terry Fontenot, the GM of the Atlanta Falcons. Stirred up some stuff yesterday when he came out and said that he is open to offers for the number four pick in the NFL draft. And then the rumors began to swirl that the New England Patriots had also called the Atlanta Falcons about getting that number four pick. Now, we just got through telling you that apparently there is groundwork for a deal for the for the Patriots to move up to eight with the Carolina Panthers tomorrow night. Uh, sifting through the reports... Any chance that Atlanta comes off that number four pick? No. I don't think so either. I really do not. I think that's way too high for New England to try to trade up to. I think the price would be astronomical. And I honestly just don't believe that anybody in that organization wants to move out of four. They know what they're getting. I think they're sold at number four and taking Kyle Pitts and adding him to this offense. I don't think that's going to happen. There's also another rumor out there that apparently the Green Bay Packers front office is falling in love with Rashad Bateman. Nope, not Rashad Bateman. Kadarius Tony. Why is the Kadarius Tony hype train continue to roll out here? Does he just have that good of an agent already that they are trying to put his name out there as much as possible? No, I'll give you three words that are the reason Kadarius Tony is it's it's it has been very popular in this pre-draft cycle. Okay, Tyreek Hill. That that's why because okay. they look at the last guy that we looked at like Kadarius Tony and went, you can't run a route at all mm-hmm. but good gracious are you fast <laughs> it was Tyreek Hill it was Tyreek Hill and so a lot of teams think he can be that I don't I mean I like the guy I've said mm-hmm. he's a first I have a, a I have a high second round grade on him but I only have 16 first round grades 
So I have him as a first rounder. If you go one to thirty two, he's in my top thirty two. Okay, just because with the ball in his hand, he's tremendous. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this, I have seen some people say that he could be used in that like Debo Samuel role. He could of just a Swiss Army knife kind of guy. Lots of jet sweeps, lining up in the backfield. He's so fast, you could play him pretty much anywhere. Get the ball in his plant in, in his hands, and he'll just make plays. I, and I agree with that. Um, and you know that's something that Matt Lafleur has has done before. I mean, he had a guy on this team named uh, what was his name, Ty- Tyler Irvin. Uh, yeah, the kicker turner. Yeah. Tyler Irvin, they used him a lot mm-hmm. in the in that kind of a scenario, and and I've known that they had talked to Kadarius Tony. I still can't believe that they would take him over Rashad Bateman. I can't either. But now this is the point in time where you can't believe anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're we're officially in the don't definitively believe anything unless it's coming from somebody that you trust a lot. Well, it's kind of, that's kind of why I went down that path of who I'm trying to follow your path of who wants you to know this information. Jacksonville Jaguars. I can tell you exactly who wants, who wants you to know that. Because when they take him at 25, they don't want people to overreact. <laughs> oh, okay. But they already have that guy. Don't they? Who? The the Jacksonville Jaguars. If you're about to say LaVisca Chanel, yeah. I'm going to throw something at you. Why? Because we've done this no less than three times. LaVisca Chenault is not... Well, we haven't done it on this show. Hey, I got to yell at you about this again. Uh, LaVisca Chenault is not Kadarius Tony. Okay. Kadarius Tony is a guy that could turn into Tyreek Hill. There are two of those in this draft. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jalen Waddle is the other one. And Jalen Waddle can run a route. I heard you talking this morning, because I did not do the sportsocracy show this morning. Mm-hmm. You were talking about the possibility that, that Jalen Waddle is not the first receiver taken. And I was I was only kind of listening to be honest. Jamar Chase would not be the no, first. No, no, no. What, what was said is that Jalen Waddle could be the first receiver yes. taken. Yeah. Let me make something real clear to you. If uh, Jamar Chase does not go five to the Cincinnati Bengals, mm-hmm. Jalen Waddle will be the first receiver taken. No doubt. I have zero doubt about that. The only team that seems to be in love with Jamar Chase is the Cincinnati Bengals. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of teams that are in like with him. Some teams might be approaching love. They might be in like a whole lot or like you a great deal, but they're not in love. Well, I don't know. There's a lot of teams that are in love with Jalen Waddle. Don't be shocked if all, because there's always a trade that comes out of left field. Don't be shocked if the Detroit Lions still find a way to throw a wrench in the apple cart. That's all I'm going to tell you. I have heard a lot of things out of Detroit. And usually when you hear just wide-ranging, they could take nine players at seven. They really love five different players that they could take if they trade down. You know what that means? What's that? It means they're putting out feelers to everybody going, please come get this pick. We don't want it. I and apparently, know. a lot of teams are really after Jalen Waddle. Well, Jeremy Fowler from ESPN happily reporting that apparently the Detroit Lions also looked into moving up from seven to four with the Atlanta Falcons because they wanted Jamar Chase. Don't understand that. Let me. Let me. Uh, let me. I'm, I'm going to try to say this and not yell. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. <laughs> Okay. 
They're not a team that bad's not giving up draft capital. Uh, that's what think I would about think. Brad, and this is one of those things that all you really have to do is read the tea leaves. Think about Brad Holmes. Think about where he came from. He leaves the Rams, who had built a team by doing what? Drafting trading. well. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then they accented that team by trading. Mm-hmm. So you're going to take a team that's already that, that is um, not good. Wow, look at you holding back. Yeah, because most of the things I want to say are profane, and I'm not allowed to do that. I got you. Uh, and, and so you think he's going to give up draft capital to go get a wide receiver? No. Oh, I, we're getting so close. We're only 15 minutes away from me just being able to let loose on this, and I, I'm, I'm just I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm going to feel better. Uh, bad teams make bad decisions. Jeremy's going to let loose on the Cincinnati Bengals coming up after uh, the Sports Center update here at the top of the hour. There is a trend in the NFL that will blow your mind. I think I officially blew your mind when I told you this earlier, didn't I? Yeah, I mean, you kind of did. Yeah. You kind of did. Coming up at 4 o'clock, all of the details on that one after the, uh, after the Sports Center update. There was another move that was made in the NFL. News came out this morning. It's got a little something to do with one of the teams in the NFC South. Antonio uh, Brown. Antonio Brown is the last piece of the puzzle coming back from the championship team of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They are teaming him up with Tom Brady for one more year, the one-year deal worth up to $6.25 million. Guaranteed $3.1 million is Antonio Brown. to get a $2 million signing bonus as well. And um, the Buccaneers apparently are agreeing to restructure the deal of Cameron Bright now to make room for Antonio Brown to come back. This means that the Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers are bringing back all 22 starters from the Super Bowl. They're also bringing back everybody who scored a touchdown in the Super Bowl. What did you say this what was the stat this morning that was the top 16 snap guys in snap counts on offense are returning? Yep. And the top 22? 21. Top 21 leaders in snap count for the defense last year and all coordinators. Mhm. The number one player not coming back on this team is Joe Haig, <laughs> who 95% of people that can hear my voice would go, "Who is that?" Mhm. Was he important? And here's my answer. No, uh-uh. he was not. He was not. Antonio Brown, 32 years old. Last year, you only got eight games of him with the team. It didn't look great to begin with, but as the season progressed and they got more comfortable in that offense, things started to really pop off. And Antonio, I believe he scored five touchdowns in the playoffs last year for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And the problem that I see with all of this is that the expectations are there for the repeat. And, again, how many times has that happened in Super Bowl history that the team has been able to repeat the next year? I mean, I guess Tom would become the first quarterback to go back-to-back twice. That's the next big benchmark that he's trying to get over. That and the perfect season. Which is not out of the realm of possibility. Uh. <laughs> I was just waiting for your eyes to roll back in your head. <laughs> uh, but I was, you know, I was, uh, you know, looking around at the, uh, looking around at the 
odds, the projections for next year. And the projection is that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will be a favorite in every game except for one that they play next year. And I think that one game was on the road at L.A., at the L.A. Rams. That'll be the only game next year that they are not a favorite in Vegas to win. They have locked and loaded. They have stacked it all up. And I'll be honest with you, with the way that the Kansas City Chiefs have done their offensive line and reloaded their team as well, I would not be shocked if we see another repeat of the Super Bowl next year. Same two teams. Let's run it back. Let's do it again. Sorry, the rest of the NFC South. I think you're going to have to deal with this for at least two more years. You're in the Sports Tank with Jeremy Green here on ESPN Asheville, 92.9 FM, 880 AM, and 1400. We got Jeremy's Green, uh, Jeremy Green's picks for the night. Green on Green is coming up next. We'll see if uh, he can do better than he did at the back half of last week. Coming up next. Here in Beer City, we take homegrown seriously. And since 2012, Wicked Weed Brewing has been pushing the boundaries of the industry. They've not only created staples like the Freak of Nature Double IPA, Lieutenant Dank, and Pernicious, but they also opened the first sour beer tap room on the East Coast. Wicked Weed has also supported our local community to the tune of $1.6 million with the Beers That Build program. Visit one of their four locations, schedule a brewery tour, or place an order for pickup or delivery. WickedWeedBrewing.com. Coffee's the closers only. Get them the money. Then when you get the money, you get the power. That watch costs more than your car. Then when you get the power, then you get the win. Hi, I, I need some wins. I, I've been very consumed by the draft. <laughs> And it's had an effect on my on my lovely bankroll Aww. betting NBA games. I got three picks for you tonight in the NBA. The first one, the Cleveland Cavaliers are a three-and-a-half-point favorite against the Orlando Magic. Can we be really honest about the Orlando Magic? Not they good. are a train wreck. They should be an eight-point dog to every team in the NBA. I know Cleveland's not good. I know Colin Sexton's not playing. I get all of those things. I don't care. I know Kevin Love had the most inexplicable turnover I've ever seen in my life. Did you see that? No. He just lobbed the ball in like to no one he just laid it out on the court let uh i don't even remember it was atlanta i think somebody picked it off and fired it off and uh, easy three because at this point what's the why i know they're not good they're overreacting orlando's terrible give me cleveland minus three and a half the phoenix suns are a four-point favorites night against the la clippers what is the thing we constantly say about the clippers when what doesn't happen you should not believe in them Kawhi Leonard doesn't play. Uh-huh. Guess who's not playing tonight? Kawhi Leonard. There you go. The Suns are going to walk the Clippers tonight. Give me the Suns minus the four. Finally, the Washington Wizards are a one-and-a-half-point dog tonight to the Los Angeles Lakers. I am officially on board with the Wizards. Are you? I'm not saying they're good, but they're better than a lot of teams in the East. This Raul Nato, Russell Westbrook, Bradley Beal three-guard set where Bradley Beal plays the three and nobody can defend him seems to be working. I'll not only take the Wizards to cover, I'll take them in the money line, too. Go and do likewise, gents. The money's out there. You pick it up, it's yours. You don't, I got no sympathy for you. All right, you ready for a monkey knife fight? Let's do that. Go to monkeyknifefight.com tonight. Make your account. When you do so, be sure to use our promo code TANK. T-A-N-K at monkeyknifefight.com. Just for using our promo code, they will hook you up 
When you make your initial investment, they will match it up to $50, and they'll also give you a $5 free play. And that free play you can use on tonight's Daily Fantasy Sports Prop. I'm doubling up on the Wizards and the Lakers. Bradley Beal will be guarded by Kyle Kuzma. Not good. Anthony Davis will be guarded by Rui Hachimura. Also mm-hmm. not good. I'm going to go over 30.5 points for Bradley Beal, over 22.5 points for Anthony Davis. That will take your $5 buy-in and turn it into an $18 prize. Nice. MonkeyKnifeFight.com. Use our promo code TANK, T-A-N-K. Hey, we had some uh, big news come out of Atlanta today. The Atlanta Braves have announced that starting next week in the homestand that starts with uh, the Philadelphia Phillies, 100% capacity at Truist Park. They have been ha- they've been having uh you know 25 to 40% capacities at ballparks all around Major League Baseball and now the Braves will become the first to do it full time. Full capacity for all Atlanta Braves games starting on May the 7th with the Philadelphia Phillies series. So go and get your tickets today because Red Sox fans are snatching up the ones for June 15th and June 16th. Yours truly will be there. I will be amongst the full capacity crowd. I've already been fully vaccinated, so get off my back, basically. Coming up after the Sports Center update, what not to do in the NFL draft. Draft trends that kill franchises. Jeremy is going to fill us in. He has been waiting all afternoon I'm to so rip in to the Cincinnati Bengals, who could do the dumbest thing I've seen a team do in a while in the NFL draft, which is take a wide receiver at five after their quarterback has a massive scar on his leg. Sports Center coming up next. This is the Sports Tank with Jeremy Green. You look at my numbers, I'm. I'm balling. Beer City's best sports talk is on the air. Get involved. Call 252-4348. Tweet the show at Sports Tank ESPN. The Sports Tank. Come get you some of this. Can't wait. It's ESPN Asheville 92.9 FM, 880 AM and 1400. The Sports Tank with Jeremy Green. Heard everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. And today is Draftmas Eve. As the NFL Draft will get underway tomorrow night at 8 o'clock. And we cannot wait. We know who the number one pick in the draft is going to be. We, we, we know who number two is going to be. We think we got a good idea about three and four. And the Cincinnati Bengals are on the clock at five with a big decision to make. Now, it's a no-brainer to me what they should do. It's a no-brainer to a lot of people what they should do. After they just had a quarterback who went down with a torn ACL last season. The guy that they just spent the number one pick in the draft on last year. Twelve months ago is when they used number one pick on Joe Burrow. He tore his ACL, and this year, instead of upgrading their offensive line, the news and the reports are that they're going to go with wide receiver uh, Jamar Chase out of LSU, despite the fact that they already have two pretty good wide receivers on the team. They have three, because I like Auden Tate, too. Yeah, Auden Tate's fine. I mean, there's no question that Jamar Chase, if he is the pick at five, which we assume he will be a big upgrade, in my opinion, over Auden Tate. There's no doubt about that. But you have bigger needs. And 
you know, as I as I said this morning in the sportsocracy, bad teams make bad decisions routinely. Mm-hmm. And so Jeremy's here to help you out, uh, you know, with the things that you should not do at the top of the draft. Uh, I've obviously, and some of these rules I have gone over over time. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them, one of my favorite rules: don't take a second round quarterback. Yep, ever just don't do it. You go through, and frankly, I'm going to be really frank with you. I'm going to edit this rule after something I said on the show earlier this week. Okay, don't take a quarterback after three. If you can't get one of your top three quarterbacks, just uh, just put quarterback this year. I guess it's going to run a lot because <laughs> uh, this is bad. It's not good. It doesn't go well. I gave the list last, uh, either earlier this week or the end of last week of the last 24th quarterbacks to go in the draft. Of the 20 of them, two lasted in the league for more than, what, five years? Yep. It was Derek Carr. Mm-hmm. I don't remember who the other one was. Mm, yeah, I don't I did slip my mind. My brain is just mush at this point. <laughs> right, but if, if, if your choice of quarterback is the fourth guy off the board... Chances are it ain't gonna work out. Which for means you. Uh, Justin Fields and Mac Jones. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm Seacrest out. Three quarterback needy teams looked at you and went, "Nah, I'm good." And now Mac Jones may end up being three to San Francisco. I don't necessarily believe that. I will not believe that until it comes out of Roger Goodell's mouth. Indeed. And I know there have been scouts and people that have said, "Oh, Mac Jones is perfect for this offense. He's the combination of Matt Ryan and all these quarterbacks that that, that have played under Kyle." I, I won't believe it until it's said. Those won't. Mm-hmm. This is the way it is. Uh, I have also said I would never take a running back in the first round. Yes. I'm willing to uh, – uh, uh, I'm going to go a step further, though, further on that. Okay. I would never take a running back on the first two days. I don't I, – Ever. I don't, I don't agree with that. I really How don't. many productive running backs? And now back in the day – back into the third round, mm-hmm. you know, now we're, now we're getting somewhere. Mm-hmm. Why would you do it? Why would you do it? The There's no good. position in the NFL where you're getting less years out of a player than at running back. No, right. even if the guy's great, you got eight years max. Mm-hmm. Or you can take a tackle that might play in the league for 15 years. Yes. Which one has more value? Well, the tackle would. There you go. The tackle would have more value. Jeremy, my, my biggest my biggest qualm with Jeremy's seven round mock draft is that he he is under the impression that all of the running backs. I, oh, this is not under the impression. I've been straight up told. You've been straight up told by sources that all of the running backs are falling in this draft, and he doesn't have a running back coming off of the board until what was it fifty five. No, not, uh, Najee Harris is not the first one. Javante Williams goes at 38. To Javante Dolphins. Williams. That's right. Javante Williams at 38, and then you've got Najee Harris coming off at 55, and then Travis Etienne coming off in the first first pick of the third round to the Jacksonville Jaguars. I don't think they're going to fall that far. I think they're pretty much all gone in the second round, top of the second round, in fact. Uh, but, you know, we'll we'll see how it pans out. I understand what you're saying. I just feel like, especially with this crop of running backs, that the talent's going to be too good for teams to pass up. All right, let me let me ask you a question. There has always been a universal thought that the three best drafting teams in the NFL are who? I just want to see if you can get that. I know the I have the list. Um, probably the Baltimore Ravens. They're one. New Orleans Saints. They're four. They're not in the. I, they would work for this too. I just pulled the top three. Yeah. Um. I don't know, Pittsburgh Steelers? They're two. Yeah. 
Green Bay Packers are three. Ah, Packers. Okay, let me ask Even you a question. Even though they haven't drafted a wide receiver. <laughs> but I'm getting there. Okay. So what you right. just said, I am building to okay. something all with right. that. All right, all right. Name me the last running back that any of those three teams took in the first round. <clears throat> any of them. I can't think of one. You don't have a guess at all? I, I can't. I can't think of one. Trashard Mendenhall. Uh, that was him. 13 years ago, mm-hmm. and it didn't work out. Mm-hmm. Before that was Jamal Lewis. That was pretty good. That worked out nicely. Yeah, it did. And before that, it was Daryl Thompson. I'll give you a dollar if you can tell me which team drafted him. <laughs> the Packers. You're right. Yay! Hey, you had a 50-50 uh, shot. You had a 33% shot because there's three teams here. <laughs> that was in 1990. Yeah, I was three years old. Good teams do not draft running backs in the first round. Mm-hmm. They don't. Think about every running back that's been in, in the first round, it, even remotely recently. Clyde Edwards a layer. Yeah. You feeling good about that? You, you walking away from that if you're Kansas City going, yeah, we really feel the need there. You had to bring in Le'Veon Bell and LaShawn McCoy just to deal with that. And now, granted, LaShawn McCoy was already there. Mm-hmm. I, it just, it's a name everybody knew. Yeah, it's, yeah. It sounds better than. Darwin Thompson. No, no, no. He went on and won a Super Bowl. Yeah, he didn't. He contributed as much to it as I did. <laughs> he did. <laughs> There's just no reason to do it. Look at, I mean, look at how many back. flameouts we've had at running back. Mm-hmm. Saquon Barkley. And I'm not. Mm, yeah. Do you think that team's good? No, they're not. I mean, I think he's I mean, a fine he's talent. But do you think he's going to lead them to a Super Bowl? Probably not. No, you took him at two. Ezekiel Elliott. If you gave Jerry Jones a button that he could push that that contract just got shredded and nobody ever knew about it, you think he'd push it? In a heartbeat. I think he'd run through every one of his children and break $15 million worth of fine china to get to it. Right. Leonard Fournette, you think Jacksonville's feeling real swimming about that? Nope. I keep doing this. He won a Super Bowl, too, by the way. Yeah. Uh, he contributed slightly more than LaShawn McCoy <laughs> he did. He did. He did. You just don't take a running back there. It's not mm-hmm. using the best use of your capital. Mm-hmm. And now I like Christi- how you left out Christian McCaffrey. How many playoff wins he got? Well, it's a cool point. story, bro. Tell it again. <laughs> I mean, I'm serious. I'm not saying he's a bad a player. Team. I'm saying if you really go back to the to, to the the Christian McCaffrey draft, mm-hmm. and now I want you to understand before I say this, I feel like he's one of the best players in the NFL with the ball in his hand. I'm not trying to slight him in any way. Mm-hmm. That's not what I'm trying to do. What I'm trying to say is I want you to think about the players that they took him in front of. Do you know who the four picks right after him were? No. John Ross was one. I, I'm going to get to him in a minute. The three after that were Patrick Mahomes, Marshawn Lattimore, and Deshaun Watson. You think Carolina wishes they had a mulligan on that one? Because I think they do. Yep. There you go. Stop doing it. Stop doing it. And I'm telling you right now, NFL teams are catching on to this. I have gotten a ton of flack for saying the, the Steelers can get Najee Harris in the second round, and I don't doubt that for one second. Mm-hmm. They might have to trade up a few spots, but I don't think so. Travis Etienne, I have him as the first first pick in the third round. Yep. And it's the, the reason is very simple. There are a ton of running backs in this draft. The salary cap for the next three years is going to be lower than you wanted it to be because of the pandemic year. Mm-hmm. You know what you don't want to use those fifth-year option years on? Running backs. Because you can get one in the fifth round. You can get a guy like... I mean, just trying to think of one off the top of my head. You can get a guy like Puka Williams in the fifth round, sixth round. Am I saying he's a bell cow running back? No, but you can platoon him, and he's cheap, mm-hmm. and he will continue to be cheap. As opposed to paying, oh, I don't know, Saquon Barkley. How's, how, how does that look right now? And he's the best running back I've ever graded. Yep. 
and it's not all that close. You think if the if the Giants had it to do over again, you think they'd have taken Josh Allen? Yes. You think they might have taken Lamar Jackson? Yeah. You think they might have taken Sam Darnold? Yep. There you go. And there's other players. They just happen to be the three quarterbacks. And I'm willing to take it one step further. Okay. I would never, ever, never, okay, take a wide receiver in the top ten. Ever. Just ever. Ever. Whew. Would you like to hear the list? This is since 2008. Calvin Johnson was in 2007. So, fait okay. accompli. I, I, I'm making this bend to my narrative. <laughs> right. But I also need you to understand, 2007, that was 14 drafts ago. Right. Would you like to hear the first wide receiver taken in every draft since then? Yes. Uh, Donnie Avery. I'd give you a dollar if you could tell me what team he played for. Miami? Nope. Kansas City Chiefs. Uh-huh. Donnie Avery was 08. Darius Hayward Bay was 09. Demarius Thomas, A.J. Green, Justin Blackman, Tavon Austin, Sammy Watkins, Amari Cooper, Corey Coleman, Corey Davis, D.J. Moore, Marquise Brown, Henry Ruggs. That really just made you feel warm and fuzzy? No. Do you know what that list has in common? What's that? Uh, I think combined, if you take Marquise Brown out of it, they have like three playoff wins total. And half of them didn't make it to a second contract with their with their initial team. Yeah. Receiver is just not that important. You know why? Because there's a billion of them. You a guy like Jamar Chase. If you t- if you had to bet an amount of money that mattered to you, and you're just Gary Busey on the Jamar Chase. Hot I am. Track. I'm you drunk on love you some Jamar Chase. Yes. If you had to bet your house on it, is he a better pro than Devontae Smith? Bet your house on it. No. There you go. Is he better pro than Jalen Waddle? No. Is he better pro than Rashad Bateman? No. Is he better pro than Terrace Marshall? No. And, and remember, because I see you, you, you keep <laughs> I yeah, keep wanting to keep say going, it, but I can't. I can't. You got to bet your house on it. Yeah. This is not bet $5. Uh-huh. This is bet, because this is what these GMs are doing. Mm-hmm. You're betting your livelihood on it. Absolutely. Because you know what happens to GMs that take Justin Blackman? Fired. And they get this label. Forever, mm-hmm. you can't evaluate talent mm-hmm. because you should have seen it in Justin Blackman. He played in a pass happy offense. He was a short receiver that played big. He couldn't get open. He ran faster than he was. That sound like Justin Blackman's scouting report? It's verbatim my report on Jamar Chase. Really? That's word for word what I wrote about Jamar Chase in the con section on Jamar Chase. Mm-hmm. And you're going to take this guy at five. And, I mean, I'm getting killed for you don't understand football. Coming from a team that 35 years. I've been alive for 35 calendar years. Yep. You have 18 losing seasons in that 35 years. Mm-hmm. 18. You've had more losing seasons than you've had winning ones. You've had seven double-digit win seasons in my life. And the reason is really simple. Because you keep doing things like this. You remember Peter Warwick? Oh, yeah. How'd that work out? Not well. Yeah, and you know what was super predictable that old school scouts that I learned how to do this from? You know what they all told me? What's that? Real predictable on Peter Warwick. He was the most athletic guy on the field. The SEC was awful at the time. And, yeah, he was super athletic. He couldn't run a route. Mm -hmm. And he was a short guy. And there was a fear that he played bigger than he was. Who does that sound like? And I understand that was 20 years ago. I'm not trying to compare apples to apples. Jamar Chase. There you go. There you go. 
And I had I, I've had a litany of people say the, the, this team is better with Jamar Chase and Alex Leatherwood than they are with Penny Sewell and Terrace Marshall. Mm-hmm. First of all, no, you're not. It's not close. It's not even close. You know what good teams do in the draft? I'm going to tell you a stat on the Pittsburgh Steelers that I think will blow your mind. Okay. Their last, uh, if you take away 2020, they had no first-round pick in 2020 Okay, from the Devin Bush deal. They have had seven first-round picks since 2013. Okay. Do you know what five of them have in common? Made a Pro Bowl? Uh, five of their last ten have made a Pro Bowl, so that's actually a good guess. Okay. <laughs> Uh, five of their last seven first-round picks were linebackers. Huh. You know why? Why is that? Because they play in the league forever. Mm-hmm. And because they're scarce. And because they never leave the field. Guys like, I mean, I mean, Ryan Chazier got hurt, which super unfortunate. Right. Jarvis Jones was a bust. Mm-hmm. Bud Dupree, yeah, he got paid. T.J. Watt, yeah, he got paid. Yeah. Devin Bush, yeah, he'll get paid. Uh-huh. You look at a team like the Ravens, <laughs> the and the Ravens that, have gone through a strange period where they've actually added some skill position guys, mm-hmm. like Marquise Brown, Brashad Perriman. Yeah. You know what they have in common? What's that? It's the best drafting team in the league. It, the list I'm looking at, all of the pro bowlers are highlighted in yellow. All of the position guys, they're all the ones that aren't. Huh. So you've drafted, you've hit C.J. Mosley and Ronnie Stanley and Marlon Humphrey and Lamar Jackson, of which Lamar Jackson you actually traded back into the first round to get. Mm -hmm. There are a billion receivers, a billion of them. And we play in a league now where cornerbacks can't touch a guy, and uh, P.I. is called constantly. It's the no-contact league now because every rule is catered to receivers. You don't need a guy like this. If you look at the top 10 and receivers taking the top 10 in the last 14 years. The cutoff is the Calvin Johnson year. You know how many elite wins you have total? Like six, three. That's it. AJ Green, Julio Jones, and Mike Evans. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. You, you, you don't have any more. And yet you find guys like, oh, I don't know, DeAndre Hopkins. <laughs> That's weird. I mean, he went. Early. Yeah. He didn't go number five. Right. He went 27. Mm-hmm. I'm a guy that if I was the GM of a team, I will never take anything out of a lineman on either side, a quarterback, a rare linebacker, and a corner. That's it. That's all I'll ever take in the first round. Okay. I'm not taking safeties. I'm, I, I would prefer to not take linebackers unless it's a class like this and they're just terrible. Mm-hmm. And I look at Owusu Koromoa and Micah Parsons and I go, okay, you could convince me of that. Edge rushers? Edge rushers are important. Mm-hmm. The hit rate on edge rushers is really, really bad. There are a lot of edge rushers like Carl Lawson that you find in the second and third round because they were on teams. And I'm not saying I wouldn't take one of those, but that goes into D lineman. Right. I, I kind of lump those together. Okay, all right. I'm not saying I wouldn't do it. I'm just a little more cautious with edge rushers. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at a guy. I'll give you an example in this class. Jalen Phillips. I love the talent. Mm-hmm. He's already retired once. And he left UCLA under what can only be described as mysterious circumstances. Mm-hmm. It's a guy I'm not touching in the first round. And I love the tape on him. But I'm not touching him in the first round. 
The good teams keep screwing this up the same way. And eventually you have to throw the stick in the spoke to break the trend. The Cleveland Browns did it when they when they brought in, you know, that brain trust of Wolf and all of the former great GMs, which it dissipated quickly, but they still drafted well for a period of time. Right. You added guys like Miles Garrett and Denzel Ward. You got Nick Chubb in the what the second round. Mm-hmm. And you added all of this talent. And it's good young talent. And then you just churn it. But what bad teams do, they hit one out of every five first-round picks because they keep trying to take wide receivers and deep safeties. And that edge guy that had 17 sacks this year. Yeah. Yeah, at Kentucky. Or at, I'm just trying to think guys off the top of my head, and I actually like the one from Kentucky. But you have all these questions. Mm-hmm. And then you do things like this. Penny Sewell's a no doubt. Yep. There's a no doubt in my mind Penny Sewell's going to be a good player. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying he's going to be great. I'm going to say he's going to be a Hall of Famer. I have no doubt his floor is good tenure starter in the NFL. The floor on Jamar Chase is he is a third receiver in the NFL that can't separate from anybody. He could be Golden Tate, and it would not stun me because he plays slower than he ran. Mm -hmm. And you fall for the fact that he had great numbers being thrown to by the number one pick in the draft with two other first-round picks on the outside of him. It's so predictable to me that it is just, I mean, it's it's absurd. Mm -hmm. And the good teams keep doing it right, and the bad teams keep doing it wrong. As you said, I am Gary Busey drunk on Jamar Chase. If I had a pick in the top ten of this draft, I would not take him. And there you go. I would not do it. I mean, I'll be honest with you. The top top ten picks of this draft should be three quarterbacks, two offensive linemen, a tight end, which is super rare just because he's a Terminator. Mm-hmm. And then from there, I'm going to try to trade down to one of these teams that's desperate to get up here and get their fourth quarterback. Looking at you, Detroit and Carolina. And I think Carolina's going to be the team that's smart enough to do it. Detroit's a wild card. I've heard so many things. You know what? They, they could trade their team to the Pistons, and I don't think it would shock me. <laughs> You're in the Sports Tank with Jeremy Green here on ESPN Asheville, 92.9 FM, 880 AM and 1400. We'll look look at, look at some more position breakdowns leading up to tomorrow night's NFL Draft. You're in the Sports Tank. We treat star athletes better because they're better people. That's not fair. Life isn't fair, kiddo. Get used to it. You're in the Sports Tank with Jeremy Green here on ESPN Asheville, 92.9 FM, 880 AM and 1400. Yes, it is Merry Draftmas Eve. Tomorrow is the day itself. The day when Draftmas Claus comes and brings us all our new toys. Oh, and I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait to see the Carolina Panthers trade down from 8 to get to 15, recoup some draft capital from the New England Patriots. Let the Patriots make the dumb decision decision of whatever quarterback they're going to take. The Patriots, or excuse me, the Panthers will reap the benefits of their panic mode to try to get the quarterback of the future. I can't wait to see what my team does with the 32nd pick in the first round because we have no real needs, and I just want to see what best available player is left for us to take at the, at the 32 spot. Um, and, of course, we know what Jeremy's Jets are going to do. We know they're taking Zach Wilson at number two. That's okay. We have another pick. And he's going to cry. 
It's okay. We have another pick. Oh, that's I, true. I, I you to, do. I forgot. I keep forgetting. I get to enjoy the whole night because we have one of the first picks. Yeah. And then we have one of the later I picks. I keep forgetting you guys have the 23rd pick as well in the Seattle trade where y'all sent Jamal Adams and got two first-round picks out of it. And a two. Wasn't it two ones and a two? Two ones a three and oh, Bradley McDougal. Two ones and a three. Excuse I've me. had a lot of fun trolling Seattle Seahawks fans over that, too. Oh, sorry, Seattle. Guess we won't see you for a while. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> we won't see you picking in the draft. We'll just we'll talk to you tomorrow night. That's right. fine. So you're having a good time. <laughs> Tell Jamal we said hey. Right, right. Obviously, the Jacksonville Jaguars on the clock with the number one pick. There's no, there's no drama there. The drama begins at three when we'll finally find out what San Francisco has. If you want to find out what your team might be doing in the NFL draft tomorrow night and all weekend long, of course, check out the Sportsocracy on YouTube. Uh, we are rolling out all of the seven-round mock drafts team by team, so be sure to subscribe to the channel. You'll know whenever we put out a new video with a new team uh, because, of course, after the draft comes the draft grade uh videos yes and that'll be uh that'll be monday tuesday and wednesday of next week uh-huh and then uh my attendance will be spotty for a minute <laughs> yeah we're good we're gonna try to take a couple of days off next week after this uh this marathon of broadcasting that we are getting ready to do tomorrow night oh it's i mean it's just it's a lot <laughs> it is a lot of things but for every pick while uh, for every pick in the NFL draft, we will be on the air giving you our instant reactions, fantasy uh, impacts, all that kind of stuff. We've got planned out for Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Check us out in the Sportsocracy on YouTube. Subscribe and share as well. We've been going through some position-by-position position breakdowns here in the Sports Tank with Jeremy Green, uh, and we're going to do edge rushers coming up next. But first... Let's get weird. On the weird scale, there's Vegas, there's Florida, and there's Asheville. Let's get weird, Asheville. I love history, and I love treasure hunting shows. Have you ever you ever watch any of the treasure hunting shows? They go out and they try to find hit you know sunken. Was it National Geographic had a whole like sunken warships and stuff uh, uh, series that they did? Well, there are some treasure hunters that are going to go out next week and they are going to be excavating in Poland. And the story is that apparently they found a diary that was the diary of a former SS boss from World War Two. And in the diary, he wrote that in this palace in Poland, where the SS had set up a brothel during the war, that they had buried treasure of the Third Reich underneath, the, I guess, the wine cellar in this palace. And it's believed that there are 10 tons of gold and riches buried underneath this palace. I don't know what kind of approval process they had to go through to be able to stake their claim on this uh, little treasure hunt here, but the excavations are going to begin next week, and they are hoping that what is in the diary is true, that there are 48 crates 
of jewels and gold that were seized by uh the, 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 of course they don't say seized it was it was taken it was given to the Nazi party to protect because the Russian army was coming in and they were stealing all the valuables of Germany and so to protect all of that the Nazi party and Adolf Hitler took all the all the gold and hid it Apparently, this is where they think they hid it, in this uh, palace in Poland. So if they find anything, we will definitely give you the update on that. But 10 tons of gold. I can't wait to see if they find anything. And two, if they do find 48 crates, what the value of that today is going to be. After the last year, there are a lot of people that claim to have zero patience. Well, now you can actually own zero patience way. A small island... In Rhode Island's Narragansett Bay, with the only with, with only one house on the entire island, with the address Zero Patience Way, <laughs> has hit the market for an asking price of three hundred ninety nine thousand dollars. Wow! This house has been owned by the same family since the, since nineteen seventy two when it was built. It's completely off the electrical grid. You get uh, a six hundred square foot living area. Huh. That includes two bedrooms, a kitchenette, a kitchenette, by the way, yeah. that's important, a half bath and what is described as a picturesque front porch. Hmm. I don't like the half bath thing either. I don't quite know how that would work out. Yeah, you just, you're on an island by yourself. You don't have a bathroom and you have, you got a hot plate and a microwave. That's, <laughs> that is unsettling to me. Don't quite know how you would live in that, but, but you also get a half acre of land on an island that is completely by itself. Mm hmm. And a half bath, so no bathtub. Yes. Nice. You've got, you got no way to wash yourself, which is unsettling to me. <laughs> I feel like that would be an upgrade that I would need to make. Yeah, you can't you can't eat uh, higher-level food, right. and you can't bathe yourself. Those are it's going to be a no from me, right. but you know, I mean, I'm sure somebody out there would, I'm, would, would love I'm that. I'm going to need uh, DoorDash or whoever does DoorDash in that area to get some drones so they can fly me food. I was about to say, uh, DoorDash is not a thing. You're off the electrical grid. Oh yeah, it has a solar panel, <laughs> one, one to give you what the story describes as some electronic necessities. Yeah, I'm out. I mean, here's the thing. It, it, this is the part that I can't understand. And in the in the description, it says this would be a perfect Airbnb opportunity. No, it wouldn't. I mean, not for me. It's obviously a perfect opportunity for somebody. If you told me that we're going on vacation and you take me to a shanty on an island that I have to row a boat to, and then we get there and I have a microwave and a, and a toaster oven, and I don't have a shower, I'm going to get right back in that boat, and uh-huh. you're not going to be invited in that boat. <laughs> no, you stay here. I'm going back you to stay the Red Roof Inn. You, you stay here in your, your shanty town, and, and I'm going to go back to Portsmouth. This is actually part of the city of Portsmouth in okay. Rhode Island. And I'm going to wait for the basketball combine mm-hmm. uh, and you stay out here in your shanty i love how that's the only thing you know about portsmouth uh i yep i was yep. actually today years old when i figured out i have misspelled it in every write-up about the draft i've ever done because it's spelled portsmouth. portsmouth yeah yeah i forgot the u oh no i was spelling it portsmouth yeah like the like like plymouth yeah 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 you were doing that wrong
Did you know what you I say? Three hundred and ninety thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. And you can own your own private island, and you'll never have to see anyone, except when you you know have to wash yourself because you can't do that <laughs> on the island. <laughs> Well, I mean, if you're on an island, you might as well just bathe in the in the sound. Yeah, that's that. I'm sure that's super sanitary. I'm out. You, I mean, you just change your name I'm to Salty so Dog, out. and it's all good. I'm so out. Yeah, that's. <laughs> look, I've said on this show many times, my idea mm-hmm. of roughing it is a two star hotel. Yeah, that's roughing it to me. If you say, "Hey, we're going on vaca- vacation," and it involves a tent. Or making your own fire, or hunting your own food. That's not a vacation. That's, that's work. That, yeah, that <laughs> that doesn't sound like vacation. Vacation involves like you know mai tais and beach chairs, right? And water, people, yeah, buffets and people that bring the food to me. And yeah, I want to do less work on vacation, not more work on vacation. I don't have to go hunt and, and fight for my food in my everyday life when I'm on vacation. It's not my idea of, of fun. Yeah, and preferably anywhere without bugs. I'm not a big fan of bugs. Yeah, it doesn't hurt either. We've done uh, a lot of position position by position breakdowns here in the sports tank with Jeremy Green. I think the only premier position that we have left to do is edge rushers. So let's talk about the edge rushers in the 2021 NFL draft. If you are looking for one, um, who's the first one that you're going to take off the board, Jeremy? It's very close for me, but it's Aziz Ojolari. That's my one. Okay. Aziz Ojolari out of Georgia. The guy absolutely had a phenomenal performance at the end of the season in the bowl game against Cincinnati. He was basically just a one-man wrecking crew. And that's not too far off from what he did every other game he played at Georgia as well. What do you like about him? He's very scheme multiple. He's not a huge guy. He's only 6'3", 240. He's actually smaller than practically every other guy we're going to talk about here. But I think he can be a three-down player. He holds up against the run where some of these guys I've never seen do it. Mm-hmm. You know, even my two, Gregory Rousseau, I don't know how he's going to hold up against the run in the NFL because he's 6'6", 260. So he's thin-framed. He opted out last year. He apparently showed up a little... Portly? That'll be... That's a nicer word than I was going to say. <laughs> to his workouts. Right. And I love Greg Rousseau, mm-hmm. but I look at Aziz Ojolari, I think he's the safest. Aziz is the safest. I don't necessarily think he has the highest upside, but if I'm taking a guy in the first round, what I really don't want them to be is, you know, oh, he had, he played for four years, and he had half a sack. Right. That was tremendous value. I, I, I really don't want to end up drafting that guy. Right. Gregory Rousseau out of Miami. He opted out this past season. Uh, the year before that, though, he was second in the country in sacks. Mm-hmm. He was only one sack behind Chase Young in college football. Now, the he thing was, you got to be careful of is that his pass rushing grade was not as good as that sack total indicates. Okay. so And that's one of the things people get paranoid about with him. For me, it's the tape and where he can get. There's not the, the the red flags with him that I see with some of these other guys. 
Like Jalen Phillips. So mm-hmm. Jalen Phillips is my three. Mm-hmm. The, the guy that actually replaced him at Miami. Right. He's retired twice. Or he's already retired and transferred. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's had more concussions than, I mean, it's been a ton of concussions. Mm-hmm. He's got all the physical tools, and I think he could be a great pass rusher in the league. But I'm really scared on the medical with him. As you should be. Uh, I know he had, uh, what, what was it? He got hit. He was riding a scooter mm-hmm. and got hit. He had to have like two or three surgeries on his wrist after that happened. The concussions were a thing. And that's when he transferred out or when he retired from football. And then he ended up going and playing at like a Juco for a little while and then came to Miami. Is that how that worked? Uh, no, he came straight to. Did he come straight? Okay. Yeah, he, he sat out of here. Okay. So he sat out 2019. He played in 2018 at UCLA, played four games, mm-hmm. got hurt. And that's another thing. The tape at UCLA is not indicative of what I saw at Miami. And what makes me nervous is the guy in Quincy Roche that's going to go early, I think, in day three. Mm-hmm. And they both did. That makes me a little nervous is that you had a guy on the other end. When I look at a guy that you didn't have anything around you and you were a, a productive pass rusher, I tend to like that better. It's just there's not many guys in this class that have that. Even my four, Quiddy Pay. Now, his ceiling is probably higher than anybody's. I also don't know what position he plays. Because he's a little too thick to be in the end, and he's a little too thick to be a stand-up outside linebacker, but he's a little too small to be an interior mm-hmm. guy, even a three technique and a four-three. And I just look at all of them and go, I look at every position and go, well, there's a yeah but on all of those with you. And I'm afraid if he bulks up to be what I think he would be best at, mm-hmm. I think it's going to take away some of the burst because he is a – just a an anomaly physically. Where does Jason Oa fall in for you? He's a guy that has screamed up boards here recently because of his, well, his flat-out blazing speed that he put up at the pro day at Penn State. He's at nine as a pass rusher for me. Okay. I don't overvalue guys that, okay, you're a height-weight speed guy. There are a lot of guys that do that. His pass rush grade at Penn State is an 80. That's it's fine. Mm-hmm. It's nothing to write home about. And in, in your entire career, you had seven sacks. Now, could he come into the league and be a Montez Sweat type? Absolutely. He could also come to the league and be Mike Mamula, where you're really good in athletic shorts and you're not productive on the field. I like that first one better. The first one was better. The, the, the Montez Sweat one was better. Let's go down that path. Um, Boogie Basham is a guy that we've talked a lot about out of Wake Forest. Uh, where do you think he falls in in this draft? Beginning of the second round. Okay. I've, I finally He's a guy that has fluctuated a lot. Because I've had him in the first round, I've had him beginning of the second round, I've had him back at the second round at one point. I think he will find a spot early in day two. It's almost time for something to chew on. Give me, uh, give me just uh, like three or four guys Later in the draft, edge rushers that could make an impact pretty soon in the NFL. Uh, two guys from Tulane, Cameron Sample, Patrick Johnson. Uh, Johnson's the smaller one. I think he could stand up in a 3-4. Cameron Sample's going to be a 4-3 D end. Uh, they were, they're both tremendous pass rushers. Uh, Sample has a really good sample size. <laughs> Sorry to be punny. Uh, Patrick Johnson's a little bit more of a, it's a little bit more of a projection. Uh, another later guy I look at is a uh, Malcolm Kuntz. 
He's a 3-4 outside linebacker from Buffalo. If your team plays 3-4, that is a name you should really be looking for because he has been screaming up boards. There are not a lot of guys that I know definitively can stand up in the NFL. He's one of them. Uh, deep dive guy, and I have to say this because he's a Florida State guy. And Well, I just I, I love him. you got to believe. Joshua Kando. The good is so good. He's 6'7", 265. I mean, the, just some of the tape on him, is it jumps off the screen. Mm-hmm. And then you forget he was on the field for about two quarters. If you can get him as a situational pass rusher, 25 snaps a game, the only thing he's trying to do is get after the quarterback. I love him. Would you say this is an average, above average, below average class for edge rushers this year? I would say this is greatly above average, actually. For as bad as it is at D-tackle, I think mm-hmm. there are a lot of guys that can get after a quarterback. You have to make sure you get the right guy, get him in the right system, because there's a lot of a lot of these guys. Virtually every one of them has a wart of some kind. It's just a question of can your program deal with each individual guy's red flag or or, or the problem or whatever it is. Getting the right guy is very, very key, obviously, to success in the NFL. Tomorrow night, there is a team that has a chance to change their fortunes. The Jacksonville Jaguars pick number one, and we believe that it's a no-brainer. We know. Even though they haven't been good at doing this before. It's time for something to chew on with Caleb P. It's Wednesday afternoon. This is ESPN Asheville, and this is Chew on That. Brought to you by Ingalls Markets. Low prices, love the savings. I'm Caleb Peek. Let's get right into it. With the third pick in the 2014 NFL Draft, the Jacksonville Jaguars select Blake Bortles, quarterback, Central Florida. Well, there you have it. The first quarterback in this draft selected is not Johnny Manziel. It's not Teddy Bridgewater. It's a young man out of the University of Central Florida. That was supposed to be the turning point for Jacksonville. After years of irrelevance and a horrendous run of luck in NFL drafts past, Jacksonville finally had a quarterback. Granted, Jacksonville thought they had a quarterback back in 2011 when they took Blaine Gabbard out of Mizzou with the 10th overall pick that year. But this was 2014, and Blake Bortles was here to save the day, right? I mean, he should have been the savior of Jaguar Nation. The pieces were all there. Alan Hearn split out wide, Mercedes Lewis at tight end, Miles Jack and Jalen Ramsey would soon join on the other side of the ball. It was a paradise of talent unlike anything Jacksonville had ever had on its payroll. In 2016-17, Jacksonville had a shot. Coming into the playoffs with a three-seed, the Jaguars put up 45 points on their way to a three-point upset of Mike Tomlin's Steelers before Tom Brady, Julian Edelman, and the last gasp of what was the New England dynasty took care of business in the AFC title game. For people like me who try to look at this through neutral glasses, the result was no surprise. For Jacksonville Jaguar fans, it was the end of their best opportunity ever to simply get to a Super Bowl much less win one. Four years after the fact, the Jags still haven't won another playoff game. Blake Bortles, he went the way of Blaine Gabbard after a dismal 2017-18 season, got cut, and got on the first train out of town. Jalen Ramsey, he's still at the beach, just 3,000 miles away in Los Angeles County. Leonard Fournette, who Jacksonville used the fourth overall pick on in 2017, Well, you remember the spin from the Super Bowl. He'll be taking handoffs from Tom Brady for the rest of TB12's career. That's why over the next five days, Jacksonville has to get this right. 
Obviously, round one is pretty clear. The Jaguars have never had the first overall pick in their 26-year history, and all indicators point to Trevor Lawrence heading south from Clemson, South Carolina, to Jacksonville, Florida. Lawrence is good. Really good. And unlike Gabbard and Bortles of the past, there's a clear ability by Trevor Lawrence to walk into training camp ready to lead this team. Players are ready to team up with the runner-up for the 2021 Heisman Trophy. And for very good reason. After that, things get interesting for the Jags. Shag Khan will have four picks to make over the first two rounds of the draft. That's a ton of draft capital that cannot be wasted. Jeremy Green's the man to talk to for more information about who the Jags will take this year. But here's the fact of the matter for Jacksonville. They cannot afford to botch this draft because if they do, fans are going to quickly start remembering they've got other options. I think a grand total of three teams are going both on the clock and the chopping block when their pick comes up on Thursday night. Jacksonville, Philadelphia, and New England all have to get this thing right before the bandwagon gets a lot lighter. Eagles fans will continue to be Eagles fans, booing whoever they want when they want. Patriots fans are still coming to terms with their own mortality as they watch the demise of the greatest football dynasty since Terry Bradshaw's Steelers in the 70s. But Jacksonville fans, it's been a tough road to hoe. And much respect to the ones who've stuck it out during the 1-15 in seasons, just like last one. The problem is, too many of those kinds of performances in a media market like the state of Florida equals everything you don't want as a business owner, which is exactly what Shag Khan is. You're going to get drops in ticket sales, drops in merchandise and jersey sales, TV ad revenue will crater, so on and so forth, because nobody, and I mean nobody, wants to watch a pathetic team. Eagles fans, for the most part, will always be Eagles fans. Just ask one. New England fans only have three options if they want to stay in market. You can pull for the Pats or you can pull for one of the New York teams. (laughs) Knowing Eli Manning's history against New England, you're not going to find too many G-men hanging around in Foxborough. Jacksonville, meanwhile, is fighting for their media life in the Sunshine State. And it doesn't help that the reigning Super Bowl champs are just three hours down I-75. The Dolphins are on the rise, and offloading Eric Flowers to Washington is undoubtedly a cap space move to get Penny Sewell into South Beach. Even though these teams play in three different divisions across both leagues, the real competition between these Floridian teams is probably as hot as it's ever been. The money follows the record, and regardless of where you play, you've got to have the Al Davis mentality. Just win, baby. Of course, it's this way for all 32 teams in the league, but it's especially true for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Mediocrity does not sell. When your cross-state rival is bringing home the Lombardi Trophy while you're sitting at home with a single win under your belt, then don't be surprised when your home stadium looks like you still have COVID restrictions in place. Or even worse, the visiting team brings a better crowd than you do. This is crunch time for the Jags. Not only is the state of Florida eating their lunch, but things aren't going too well divisionally either. The Titans are up. The Colts are better. Houston is, well, Houston. But Jacksonville, who are they? What's their identity? Whose team is this? When Trevor Lawrence goes number one, it has to be his team. He's got to have the backing and support, the full faith and trust from the Jacksonville front office, or else this could end up yet another failed quarterback experiment by an ever-struggling program. Lawrence also has to understand that he's not about to be surrounded by superstars. He's not even surrounded by future Hall of Famers. The Jaguars must be his team. Because if Trevor doesn't succeed with Jacksonville, it's right back to square one. Watch Tampa Bay scalp away your fans, wait for next year's draft, and try again. Again. I'm Caleb Peek. Process. Kane is in the building. 
It's ESPN Asheville 92.9 FM, 880 AM and 1400. The Sports Tank with Jeremy Green. Heard everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Last couple of moments of the program here before, oh man, Draft Miss arrives at midnight. I know the draft doesn't start until 8 o'clock tomorrow night, but uh, tomorrow is the official start of Draftmas, as we will have all picks of the 2021 NFL Draft reactions live in the sportsocracy. Check us out on YouTube. Subscribe to the channel. Get all of the seven-round team-by-team mock drafts that we have been rolling out over the last few days. Every team covered. And uh, be sure to share it with your friends as well. And join us for all three days of live reactions. Oh, I mean, it's this is going to be nerd-out central. <laughs> And I can't wait. Uh, I will say a story that just came out. This is from Darren Ravel. The third pick in the NFL draft is yeah. now the most bet pick in the history of the NFL draft. That doesn't surprise me at all. Uh, Johnny Evelo, head of DraftKings Sportsbook, told the Action Network that the number three pick is the largest draft market in the book's history. Wow. Is the money still on Mac Jones? Uh, as of, and this is as of right now. Uh, Mac Jones is a minus 400 favorite, which is an overwhelming favorite. Mm-hmm. But Trey Lance is still only two plus 220. Ooh. Just, I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you. The biggest single loss would be if Mac Jones were to actually be the third pick. Okay. I think uh, last report I saw was like 56% of the money and 54% of the bets were all on Mac Jones to be the third pick in the draft. I still think it's going to be Trey Lance. I know you do, too. I do. The Carolina Panthers apparently going to trade down. That's what our sources are telling us, that you can pretty much plan on it happening. Penny Sewell will be off the board. The Carolina Panthers will trade down from 8. New England Patriots trading up from 15. We will hear more and more rumors coming out over the next, uh, oh gosh, what is it now? Oh, we're at uh, 28 hours. We're at 28 hours. Or 27 hours. Math. Man, I've struggled with math today. (laughs) You're supposed to be the math guy, too. Yeah. We will do our, uh, our fun little interactive mock draft coming up right here tomorrow on ESPN Asheville and of course the sports tank with Jeremy Green uh, heard everywhere on the iHeartRadio radio app the sportsocracy tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock will begin the draft miss coverage and at 7 o'clock tomorrow night we go pick for pick all three days of the NFL draft we will see you tomorrow right here at 3